Welcome, Think Anesthesia podcast subscribers, to this episode where we will discuss the recently released NAFTA's 2022 Demographic Survey, released on January 16th, 2023. I am Amanda Shelby, your host and the Think Anesthesia Content Coordinator. I am excited to introduce to you Ashley Selke. Ashley is a registered veterinary technician in Indiana, also my home state, as well as a certified veterinary technician in Arkansas. In addition to her past president role with NAFTA, she is currently an instructional technologist for Purdue University College of Veterinary Medicine, specifically in the Veterinary Nursing Distance Learning Program. Her areas of interest include veterinary association leadership, public speaking, student engagement, and the veterinary team mentorship. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, thanks for having me, Amanda. I'm excited to be here today. Well, thank you so much. This is such an important subject. I'm really excited to share a deeper dive into this survey with our listeners. Just quickly, could you provide an overview of what NAFTA is and who can be members? NAFTA is the National Association of Veterinary Technicians in America, and our members are primarily credentialed veterinary technicians. We do hold associate memberships for veterinary assistants. They are non-voting members as well as industry partners. They are considered associate memberships. Would you provide our listeners an overview of what the NAFTA demographic surveys are and their purpose? Yes, the NAFTA demographic surveys, we do them about every five years. It's to get a chance to see what's going on around the country in terms of job positions, job titles, demographics of our different aspects of membership around the country. So we do them about every five years, and it lets us know a lot of information that's going on from a national perspective a lot of their research and their PowerPoint slides, they get a lot of information from this demographic survey. Yeah, I'm one of those people. I speak on veterinary culture quite frequently or veterinary technicians and job opportunities that are presented to our community. And definitely it's very helpful information. How do you guys devise the study or who's responsible for putting together the questions that our community answers? We have a task force that puts them together, and then we also work with a third-party company that specializes in this area. We tell them the questions we're looking for. They put them together. We approve them and say, yes, this is what we're looking for. If they don't quite hit the mark, we go back to the table to that task force to see what exactly is the information our members are wanting to know, and what can we get down to the specific details of what's going on around the country. So I would think it's safe to say that every survey that populates changes just slightly to the new end user needs as our profession develops. Variation through each of the demographic surveys. Everyone's a little bit different and a little bit different information as the profession changes. That's very interesting. The survey that was recently released was conducted from January to March of 2022, and it looks like you guys got a pretty good response. I'm not quite sure what our membership numbers are, but just under 2,000 qualified individual responses were collected for that survey. Would you be able to clarify what qualified means? Yes. So 
qualified means they were members of the association or they were credentialed veterinary technicians. So our online survey was programmed to be compatible with both mobile and desktop devices. And 62% of the responses were completed on a smartphone. 1% was on a tablet and 37% was on their desktop. Um, the survey's initial emails were sent by NAFTA to all members on February 18th of 2022 along with four reminders through March 11th. So not only did we put this survey out at VMX and WVC, we also emailed to all our members. We did social media, Facebook posts were published as well. And our survey responses were recorded between February and March. The stringent data cleaning protocols were used to ensure the quality data. So about a total of 380 of the 2,200, about 16.8% of the surveys were removed for various reasons, failing to correctly answer the trap questions or providing nonsensical answers such as A, B, C, D, E, F. Excellent. Given in 2016, the survey results of so the survey that preceded this one had more responses. So I believe I found the number was 2,790, and that this survey, 2022, had 1,886 qualified individual responses. Can we glean anything from the difference in number of responses? I think that had to do with, especially since our main goals were to do at VMX and WVC, we wanted to include both parts of the country, the eastern half and the western half. And I think because we did have the COVID pandemic at that time, that was just when people were starting to get back out to conferences. So I think that could have definitely had a reason why there was a difference there. Yeah, I'm sad we didn't have more respondents. Do we have an idea of how many veterinary technicians, credentialed veterinary technicians there are coast to coast? Yes, I think that the numbers I've heard are around 100,000, but it's hard to say because some people self-report that they're veterinary technicians and may not be credentialed veterinary technicians. So it's hard to say the exact number. But um, one of our task force is working on going through our government relations team is working to get that number together so we can see exactly how many are in each state if they're reported and they're public. That would be interesting to compare and then, of course, compare with the margin of error as well. I'd like to really take some time to focus on as close of an apple to apple comparison. Obviously, we just discussed that the demographic studies change from launch to launch because of our industry needs change. But let's chat about NAFTA's 2022 demographic survey findings compared to the previous 2016 demographic survey. Perhaps first we can establish that indeed comparing the two, see if the veterinary profession has changed, perhaps improved. The key takeaways being from the 2022 are Average earnings for veterinary technicians have increased 25% suggests we have made a mark of improvement in our industry. Can you shed light on that? I don't know if it's easily translatable because I work in academia and we have seen a decrease in number of applicants. I definitely think because the average earnings have went up, it has gone with increase of inflation. I also think that during COVID, uh, the mass number amounts of people leaving the field due to pay and wages, players are having to meet that need and are realizing the importance of retaining those credentialed veterinary technicians and the amount of revenue that those bring into their hospitals. It's extremely important to keep them. So I would hope that the pay 
continues to increase. Yeah, me too. It's interesting. You mentioned COVID. It seems to me that potentially, and I realize this takes a huge task force, there could be benefit in potentially not waiting a full five-year lapse before we get more demographic information. I think that would be a great idea. And it's something that I will definitely bring up. I mean, if we can do that, it does take a great cost to do these surveys, but I definitely think that's something because our profession moves quickly. Having that data every two and a half years would be a great advantage. There was a 16% increase between 2022 and the 2016 NAFTA demographic studies showing that veterinary technicians or those that identify as veterinary technicians have an associate's degree. To me, this really indicates that the direction of our profession is going towards a coast-to-coast credentialing process. Do you find that to be the case? I do. Greater than 70% of veterinary technicians have at least an associate's degree. Um, I think more people have an associate's degree than a bachelor's. First, people don't see the pay increases in between the veterinary technician and veterinary technologist, the four-year degree. Most states are now changing the laws and practice acts to enforcing that title protection. NAFTA came out with our 2022 title protection report, and we found that many states either misunderstood or didn't fully understand what title protection was. Some states thought they had title protection when they didn't. Title protection is being enforced in five states. A lot of states are working on their practice acts. We just had a South Dakota a senator asking if we stood behind enforcing a misdemeanor for title protection with the misuse of that. So I think more and more states are moving that way to enforce title protection. Also, our relationship with the ABMA, the ABME, which is the American Veterinary Medical Association executives. So the executives of all those VMAs, and we had the title protection report stated there. So we are getting that word out on how important title protection is in order to keep our profession from dwindling. Title protection definitely seems to elevate our profession as a whole. When we look at trends over time, so there was a demographic survey in 2007, 2012, 2016, as we've mentioned, and 2022, which is the one that you all just published. Comparing those surveys, what do you feel are the primary takeaways that we've really learned about our profession? Yes, well, especially with the 2022, we wanted to get demographics. you know, exactly what it says. We wanted to know what the primary race was, whether they held an associate's, a bachelor's, their highest wages per hour. So for 2022, 91% was female, only 7% was male, and it was 90% white or Caucasian. With this survey, we see that we really need diversity within our profession. And Each one of these goes a step further, but I want to continue having those exact demographics and even more if we can. Hopefully we're trending in the right direction, but definitely communicating to underrepresented communities so that our customers can associate with the people providing their pets care. I think that's really important. I do feel a little seen when the average age was 38.9 years. What I found really interesting comparing the 2007, 12, 16, and now 22 is that the average age of respondents doesn't seem to be shifting too drastically one way or the other. 
And I wonder if that has to do with where we do the demographic surveys. I don't know if, you know, the younger generation is able to afford to go to those conferences. I don't know. I wonder if that has a play in there. I wasn't around or in NAFTA for the 2007 survey. So I'm not sure where they got their specifics from or if it was those conferences then, but definitely depending on who's doing your survey can definitely have a high impact on your answer. So I think especially advocating for younger professionals to be able to have that CE balance for their employers to be able to go and do continuing education and do things like this is very important. And so we need to keep advocating for the younger of our profession as well. I feel when I'm in a practice, I'm not in the majority of ages that are represented. So I was a little concerned by that. And I agree. I think perhaps maybe opportunities for accessing the survey might be a little more limited to our younger or perhaps older colleagues. I also was surprised that 22% of the 2022 respondents reported that their time in veterinary medicine spanned six to 10 years, which really resonated with me that if the average age was near 40 years old, that perhaps this is a secondary career for many people. Any comments around the years in veterinary medicine and the average age of respondents? Yes, in our past survey too, we found that veterinary technicians leave the field within five to seven years. So I wonder if we're not accessing that younger profession if they've already left by the time they've done this and this showing that this is a second career or people are finding this is what they really wanted to do and coming into this profession. And then once again, I think it goes to who is attending those conferences. Is it the well-seasoned technicians who need that continued education to keep their licenses and also the younger profession. We want to get them right out of school. And a lot of times we lose them on our national site because they've kept their school emails in and we can't contact them after that. So I feel we definitely know that there's a lapse in that leaving school and coming to these conferences that we need to grab that demographic as well. I also feel seen not just on the average age, but I was one of those those young starting veterinary technicians. I was a NAFTA member in its earlier title when I was in school and failed to maintain my membership for 17 years of practice until relatively recently, which is how I got to contribute to the NAFTA survey in 2022, which is a shame because this organization is really our moving body for improving our profession, right? Yeah, it is. We keep great relationships, especially in the past few years moving forward with the AVMA. We have monthly calls with them. We're going to do more working together because we want to move the entire team, the entire profession forward. And we can only do that if we work together on things and we see each other. So definitely being involved with them like we are the past few years, especially, we're going to move the whole profession forward. I love that you mentioned team. I'm very passionate about this concept, and I love that AHA came out and said, this is the year of the veterinary team. And so I'm really hoping, and a pet-focused approach to practice, but I'm really hoping that we can all embrace value in all the team members, including CSRs and the pet parent, and being part of that team. Yeah, CSRs run the show. Like, if they weren't, (laughs) nobody could do anything, I believe. It is so important and they feel so much of the outside world. 
they get the good, the bad, and everything in between. So definitely a special place in my heart for CSRs. Let's talk about maybe the most challenging thing. And I think that this gets a lot of attention for what we feel could make our profession better. I know that 2022 found that the average computed salary for full-time employed equivalent veterinary technicians averaged 52,000 per year. And that was a 25% increase from 2016, where the computed salary was 41,600 a year. Of course, there's state to state comparisons, which I absolutely love. It seems odd to me that the state comparison, the highest ranked state was an average of 35,000, which is substantially less than that 52. Any insight on why there's such a large number discrepancy? Yes, and we talked about that as a group. There were a lot of veterinary technicians who were in research that took the survey, and in the research sector makes a higher income. We definitely think that 52000 was driven higher by the research sector of the thing, so we definitely think it's lower than that. Um, that, that kind of skewed our variations a bit. I would imagine our largest group of veterinary technician professionals in a full-time capacity out there are probably in the companion animal sector, and I'm not sure they all relate to the 52,000 average. No, I don't think so. I also saw that Missouri was the lowest state at just under 20,000 annual full-time equivalent, and to highlight the national poverty rate for 2022, according to the IRS U.S. government website for a family of four, is 27750 How do we elevate our peer salary that fall below these computed ranges? I think it takes a lot to do with our core values of the title protection. Definitely protecting the title in those states and highlighting their scope of practice and determining what it is that a veterinary technician can do compared to a veterinary assistant. A lot of people feel if that was addressed state by state, then that would bring that compensation up because then uncredentialed people aren't allowed to go in and do anesthesia full-time and do things that, that we're trained and go to school and spend many years in education learning to do. Definitely, I think title protection is a huge factor in compensation. How do we elevate our peers' salary for those that are in states where they are falling under that average computed salary? Yes, we definitely need to advocate for ourselves and our profession. So I truly believe joining your state association or joining your national association so that you can lend your voice to those legislators that fight for title protection. Whenever we have title protection and scope of practice, we can determine what is done by a veterinary technician versus a veterinary assistant. We're able to advocate for those salaries. We're able to run anesthesia with our years of education that we have behind us. And I think advocating for oneself is huge too. If we keep accepting these lower wages, they're going to keep giving it because it's a business after all. Our salary is one of the highest costs in a business. So as a business owner, you're going to want to be able to pay the lowest cost. And if we keep accepting these lower wages, then that's only detrimental to us. So I think advocating for pay and definitely being a member of your state association, the national association, and going to the legislators and saying title protection and having a voice in the scope of practice is definitely advocating for yourself and advocating for your profession. 
having that voice on your state and national associations is only going to help that and help advocate to reach that title protection, the scope of practice, having your voice heard. So I think that's a way we can advocate for ourselves. I agree. And I love that you highlighted that the veterinary profession is medicine and business, which is unique. We also know that a credentialed veterinary technician from previous surveys, other surveys, brings more revenue to a business than a non-credentialed technician. So hopefully that message will be heard and we can elevate the importance of hiring those credentialed bodies. Any comments based on the survey responses comparing salaries from educated credentialed veterinary technicians to uneducated? Yes. So definitely the average salary comparing veterinary technicians with a bachelor's degree averaged around 35000 a year compared to those with no college degree, which averaged around 21000 a year. Furthermore, those that who have no credentials as a veterinary technician earned a median salary of around 18000 a year compared to credentialed veterinary technicians who their median salary of $23,000. Um, and there even was a survey that went around not ours, but it compared, I think, 1,500 respondents of veterinary technicians and assistants around the country. And when we compared that, you could see that a credentialed veterinary technician on average was paid around $5 more than the veterinary assistant. So definitely having that education um, helps to bring that salary up. And in our survey, we did note that people who are NAFTA members earned about 6000 more per year than those who aren't NAFTA members. So it pays to be a member of NAFTA, it looks like. The surveys within and external from NAFTA definitely support that education does help bolster your take-home pay. Let's switch gears and talk about utilization. I'd like to hope that we're going in the direction of being able to move past the idea of utilization and really talk about optimization of all the team members. I just attended in January the AVMA Veterinary Leadership Conference where they did create a task force on the things that were most important to us, especially in our survey, higher compensation, technician utilization, and title protection. So the AVMA has created a task force to look into those three specific things. And we wanted to make sure that NAFTA was a part of that. So we feel that's null and void if you don't have technicians be a part of that conversation. So that is something we're working on as far as technician utilization. Even in the state of Indiana, I'm on a task force with the IVMA where we focus in on technician utilization. So we are educating veterinarians. So we're having lawyers to look and see what exactly are these gray areas in the scope of practice? What can veterinary technicians lawfully do? Are we utilizing them <clears throat> to the highest capacity they have? And so definitely utilization is moving along, but I would love to see optimization, as you just said. I haven't heard it described that way, but I think I'm going to steal that and I'm going to use that from now on. Take it, please. Let's shout from <laughs> mountaintops. <laughs> Optimize. Optimize. That's right. One way that potentially is a positive mark, although there wasn't a huge jump, disappointingly, is that the 2022 survey showed 70% of the respondents which in majority were veterinary technicians or those who identified with roles of veterinary technicians, reported employers use veterinary 
technician-specific appointments. However, it's only up 2% from 2016. Were you surprised by that jump or lack of jump? Yeah, but I also think that that's one of those questions that could be more specific. Like, is this a veterinary technician appointment for nail trims? Is just this a veterinary technician appointment for anal glands? Like, I feel that we're used in that aspect very much. I feel like that question could be more targeted. As you design a new survey for the future, what are some key aspects that you would really like to see considered that perhaps weren't on the previous versions? Hmm, that's a good question. I'd like to see more specific wording. It's hard to do that in surveys. I'd like to see our membership grow to more technicians. We did a 10% increase this past year, which is good growth. We just hired a PR firm. So we're looking at targeting those members we're losing. We're looking at targeting the younger professionals that are just leaving school and we don't have their emails. And we're looking at targeting so many more people. And I think in the next survey, I would like to see that go out. If we have more members, we have more perspective. The larger it is, the larger perspective we get. And even um, opening it up to non-members, sending it out to each state veterinary technician association. Our, once that government relations team works on finding all the different public credential technicians listed, we could send that directly if we have more manpower. We are still driven by all volunteers. It does take a lot of time and resources, but broadening that scope and seeing how we can get it out to more people and have more members is definitely how we move forward. I definitely think getting it to more people would give us better results. Yeah, hopefully this podcast helps as it gets aired. Speaking of which, if we have some Think Anesthesia subscribers listening and they're like, hey, I'm a technician, but not a member, how can they find where to sign up? You can simply go to nafta.net and it'll even jump out at you said, hey, become a member. It'll, it'll pop a button or you could even go to our social media sites that can direct you to our website, the National Association of Veterinary Technicians in America. We have lots of different association perks that go with it. And the more people we have to lend a collective voice, the further we can move our profession along. For those that might have missed it, it's www n-a-v-t-a so nafta.net you can also find the 2022 survey the full report it populated as soon as i went to the landing page and i could click the button that said expand the report as well as either join or log in under your membership to take advantage of some of the perks that nafta provides our community of veterinary technicians with that, I really want to say thank you, Ashley, for representing our profession and our group within our profession. It's really important that we have these strong voices advocating for us. Thank you so much for having me on here today. And thank you to all your listeners for listening. And NAFTA just really appreciates any chance we can get to have these meaningful conversations with people of our profession. And having those joint relationships is really important. And that's really how we all move forward together. We are a team. Thank you, Ashley, past president of NAFTA for joining us and your service again to our profession. At Fink Anesthesia, we know you have many learning opportunities and we truly thank 
all of our listeners for taking time to listen to this episode of the Think Anesthesia podcast. 